<laughs> no, it is great to be back with you. And tonight we're simply continuing in our series, walking through the Apostle Paul's letter of First Corinthians, and we finish off chapter nine tonight. Um, sometimes in life, people become lazy, or maybe people are just lazy. Um, <laughs> stop giving me that look, Steve. Right? You incriminate yourself every week. Um, but at home. On Wednesday nights, we have what we call our family money meal. And it's done mostly for my daughter Phoebe, although, hey, I'll never say no to a few bucks. Like $3 could be three slurpees. Um, Anyway, but it's done mostly for Phoebe, but it's where we each have three jars and you get to decorate them, but one jar is labelled give, one jar is labelled save, and the other is splurge or spend. And on a Wednesday night, uh, well, that's when we come together and you, you get, you receive your pocket money that you can divide up and, and place into these jars. But the thing is, much to my daughter's horror at times, is that to get the money, certain chores have to be completed first. Certain chores have to be done to receive their pocket money. I've got to clean the pool, clean the kitchen and take out the bins. If I don't do that, I don't get my $2.50, um, or sorry, $3. Every birthday it goes up. 50 cents, um, we've decided, which at the minute is a real contentious point because my money has increased, whereas Phoebe's doesn't increase until November, um, and she does not like that. But the issue is for us that when uh, some weeks, I'd like to think the minority rather than majority, but some weeks um, uh, for my daughter, um, she would much prefer not to do any chores, but to still expect to be handed the money regardless Ideally, she would like to reap the rewards without putting in the work to earn them. And actually, while we know that's not how life works, in reality, many of us would love it to. We'd prefer aspects of life to work this way. Uh, I I watch a few TV shows, one of which is a show called NCIS, and uh, a regular storyline that happens regularly, uh, probably across any of these cop shows, is where One department does all the heavy lifting, does all the hard work to solve a case just for another department to swoop in at the end and take the credit for it in front of the media. They get the rewards without putting in the work. I know, I would love to be able to lose weight without uh, exercising or without changing what someone eats. Wouldn't it be awesome to earn a comfortable living without having to work for it, to work a job for it? Sadly, We know that life simply doesn't work this way, but it doesn't stop people from becoming lazy and attempting to live this way at times, as they look to reap rewards without being willing to put in the work to earn them. And this is what seems to have happened with some of the Corinthians, with some of the Christians in Corinth, when it comes to their faith. They're looking to breeze through life without making any changes to their lives, to their lifestyle, yet they're still expecting to reap, to receive all the benefits um, to continue to flow their way. And so this is why Paul, the apostle, in our passage tonight, seeks to warn them, hey, life doesn't work this way, and neither does our faith. Now, hopefully, some of you that are attuned, there's a couple of alarm bells going off, going, hey, this is starting to sound like a works-based gospel. That is not where we're headed at all. That is not what he's saying. Um, And so let me pray and then we'll unpack what the Apostle means here. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for who you are and all you've graciously done for us. Thank you for your word, the Bible, 
and our freedom to open it here this evening. And Lord, we just pray expectantly that you, through your Holy Spirit, um, reveal more to us of who you are, reveal more to us of who we are, reveal more to us of how offensive sin is towards you and our great need for a saviour that you won't provide, but rather that you have already provided for us in your beautiful son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I would love you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through to 27. Now, as you're turning there, uh, it will come up on the screen in a second as well. But as you're turning there, a quick reminder um, to the context that we find ourselves in is simply here in this section, the, the Corinthians had written to the Apostle Paul, asking him about whether or not as Christians they could eat some food that in some way had been involved and used in sacrifices to idols made to other gods. And across chapters 8 to 10, he answers their question. And he answers their question using two main arguments. The first one being uh, what he has used so far. So far he has argued that, hey, out of a love for others, you need to lay these rights down and not eat this food. He's urged them that, hey, even though in theory you might be free to eat this food, you might have a right to eat this food, out of a love for others, you should forego your right to do so as to not become a stumbling block to your other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's what he's argued so far. His first main argument is based around foregoing your rights out of a love for others. And then in chapter 10 that we get to next week, well, in a fortnight's time, um, he goes on to make a far more challenging argument, a far more serious argument, going, hey, it's not just about doing this out of a love for others, but if you're truly out of a love for God, then you will certainly be laying down what you perceive as your rights. And, and he goes in depth, read ahead in chapter 10, and he warns that if we don't do this, uh, at times we might even face um, some consequences for it. But, but that's for the coming weeks. Love for others and love for God are his two main arguments. And what we get here in the middle is this last little paragraph of chapter 9, which acts as a hinge, and it, it joins the two arguments together, and it helps us transition going from love for others to love for God. So, let's read. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, we've just wrapped up uh, another season of AFL football. Um, a sad event for some of you, a happy event for others. Uh, for my wife, Amanda, it's definitely a happy occurrence. While she doesn't mind football, she's at least got a bit more hope that 
Uh, at least for the next six months, you might get a husband that's a fair bit more present rather than keeping an eye on every single score and stat of football that is going on. But anyway, we finished this year, and in the grand final, it was a bit of a non-event. Uh, Geelong smashed the Sydney Swans, bad luck, uh, Hodgson's, well done, Mr. Campbell up the back, or Ain't. Oh, you half count. You couldn't name 10 players on your team, so let's just stick with Chris. Um, anyway... <laughs> Uh, at the end of the game, what happens every single year, but, but this year as well, uh, all the players get up, they get their medals, their streamers, confetti, fireworks, uh, the works goes on here. But the main award that they're waiting for is this Premiership Cup that you can see that is being presented, that has been presented to the captain and the coach of whatever team wins that year, and then all the other players jump up and celebrate with them. Yeah, but this scene here is the pinnacle of AFL. This is what every single coach and player alike dreams of achieving. But what we see here, as the coach in his speech every year normally reminds us, is that this is the result of months or, or years worth of hard work put in by players, coaches, psychologists, through everyone from the club. None of these players or coaches are lazy people like we spoke about earlier. At times they can be lazy, but on a whole, as a professional athlete, they've spent years training, probably getting up before school rather than getting woken up by mum and dad to train, go and do workouts. They've controlled what they eat. They've disciplined and looked after their body. Uh, they make sure they get enough rest to recuperate. And get to bed on time instead of playing video games, James Meyer, till 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, they get to the gym. They run on the track. They discipline their bodies and put in immense amounts of hard work as they strive after their goals of achieving this premiership and getting this premiership cup. Now, while AFL wasn't back around for the Corinthians at the time, sport was definitely something that they cared a lot about and they were absolutely passionate about you see the corinthians hosted the isthmian games which was sort of like an olympic game style event they hosted every two years and sort of like the olympics for at least for me anyway while while the um field athletic events were cool like the track events were where most of the excitement was and, and this is why paul uses this sports illustration in our passage tonight and I think he does so to make three main points to them. Sorry, we'll get there. To make three main points to them in, in ways that they can relate to. Hence, using a football illustration in the middle of Victoria. Uh, I know there's some outliers, most of our young adults sitting in this room that don't care about it, but the majority of Victorians are on board. Anyway, the first thing he wants to make stand out to these Corinthians is that it actually takes hard work and discipline to obtain the prize or the goal that they're seeking after. As we mentioned earlier, all that's involved in being a professional athlete, an AFL star, well, there's a ton of hard work to be done. No one's able to be lazy to sit on a couch at home and expect to become a professional athlete without putting in hard work to get there. And at the same time, it's the same thing when it comes to our faith and obtaining the goal that we're striving after. Now, let me be super clear here. Jesus Christ does the work and our salvation is secured in him and him alone. 
but there is a lot of hard work to be done and ability to be able to truly receive, uh, to truly experience and, and enjoy the benefits and just the fullness of the gospel that the Christian life has to offer. The Corinthians, they've become lazily lazy, it seems. And they're just coasting through life, saying, yeah, we've become a Christian, but not wanting to make any changes in their life, not wanting to change any past behaviours, happy to just strive after the same goals as what they did before they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they want to receive all the benefits without putting in any effort. They've become lazy in their faith. And so Paul's saying to them, hey, get up. Start working again and start truly striving for the goal that you long for. And if we're honest, it's a reminder that plenty of us as Christians today need to hear, don't be lazy. Yes, again, let me reiterate, our salvation is 100% secured by the work of Christ and Christ alone. But that doesn't mean that he then hasn't given us some expectations or some responsibilities and some roles to play as Christians and expectations that he wants us to fulfill in our lives as we seek to glorify and honour him. We're not to just coast through life as some of these Corinthians were doing. We're to work. Yeah, again, it's like, yeah, I'm aware, one of the young adult small groups here, I think Holly and Max is going through James at the minute. And two or three years ago, we preached through James here at a night service and we were crystal clear around this, hey, this old faith without deeds is dead. This is never at all to say that works are what we need in order to earn our salvation. Never. It's not what the Bible says. It's never what Paul says. It's not the gospel. We as Christians are called to work because we are saved. Not so that we can be saved, but because we are saved and receive salvation through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, then works or it will be evidence of that faith. The Holy Spirit dwells in a believer's life. There will be evidence of that faith in their life. We will seek to glorify God, which is a command. We will seek to care for others. We will seek to honour God through every aspect of our lives. We're not just to, by lip service, say, oh yeah, I'm saved. And we'll get to this in Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel is not something that we can take for granted, that we go, all right, I'm saved, put it in my back pocket, live however I want to live, as sinfully as much as I want to live, have no heart to honour God with my life and then but when it comes to death I'll whip it out as my golden ticket hey God I'm here now that's not a sign of someone that's in a relationship with Jesus Christ because we are saved there will be evidence in our lives through how we live through it works can seem as a nasty term but there will be evidence in our lives because of our salvation not to earn it but it will flow from it so we're not to coast through life like the Corinthians were doing. We are to work for the glory of God, for the good of those around us, as well as in some ways for the good of ourselves. Secondly, Paul emphasises the why behind the what here. He's called us with the what to hard work. What are you doing? Stop being lazy and work. And now he emphasises why. Being the prize that we are actually fighting for. 
Paul says that, hey, these Corinthians, these, these star athletes of the Ithmian games, uh, they get up early, they, they discipline themselves, they watch what they, they do, all the rest, they do everything else. All these Corinthians bust their guts with hard work. But why? At the end of the day, what are they doing it for? What are they chasing? Well, they're chasing a mere wreath. Ancient Olympians, and especially the Ethnian Games through Corinthians, they specifically, which is why I've looked up an olive branch wreath. This is what they were chasing after. <laughs> there wasn't a premiership cup, there wasn't a gold medal. Uh, they would get an olive wreath to place on their heads. Um, it's not even connected to a tree or a vine anymore. It's a dead piece of plant. The winner would get this and place it on their head. That's it. In these games, this is what the winner would get. Or in AFL, even stick with that. I showed you the cup that they would get. Olympics, they get a gold medal. But Paul's point is ultimately where? Step back and think about that for a second. All of these things, medals, cups, wreaths, they're merely human things that will perish. They don't even last. Even when they're won, the sense of winning fades pretty quickly. The sense of winning when you get a flag uh, is immense. But it fades pretty quickly. Come January or even now, plenty of people won't care who won the last big sporting event or whatever it might be. They're already training for and striving for the next one. And so Paul's saying, hey, if this is the sort of thing that people work hard for, if this is what people bust their guts and discipline themselves to achieve, then how much harder should we as Christians be working? And how much more discipline should we as followers of Jesus, how much more discipline should we be as we don't just chase a merely perishable reward that will fade quickly, but we chase the everlasting eternal crown. We chase the everlasting reward of eternal life with Jesus Christ. Everything in this world will perish. It will fade away, but a relationship with Jesus Christ is eternal. So my question to you is simply, well, what are you chasing after right now? What are you striving for right now and working hard for right now? What is the goal or the prize that you're putting your time and effort into? Is it into your walk with Jesus Christ? Is it into your faith as, as a Christian, as you discipline yourself and you continually strive after becoming more and more like Jesus? And you continually strive after that eternal glory of salvation and living a life forever with the God of the universe who loves you immensely. Or is that actually an area where you're slacking off at the minute and maybe you're a bit lazy of at the minute and instead you're putting your time and effort into something else? Maybe you're chasing a girlfriend, a husband, a promotion, a certain amount of money, a holiday, a video games, sporting achievement. Whatever it might be, all of these things that we strive after are merely perishable at the end of the day. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue after these things. I'm married and I'm super glad I pursued my wife. 
But it absolutely means that we're not to pursue these mere human things at the expense of putting in the time and effort that we really should be into our Christian walk, into our Christian faith, into our relationship and into our journey with Jesus Christ. Life with Jesus is eternal. Everything else is temporary and perishes and fades. So Paul steps who get distracted, who sadly sin. I'm not talking about us. What I am talking about, which Paul strongly gets to, there are some people who are simply saying they're Christian, but the Holy Spirit's not dwelling in them. There's no evidence of their faith in their life. They do not have a heart to honour God. They do not seek a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're not actually seeking this eternal goal. Anyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what culture you're from, no matter how much sin you might feel is in your life, no matter how young, no matter how old you are, anyone who seeks a relationship with Jesus Christ, well, his death was for you. And he has made a way to deal with your sin. And you are saved and your salvation is secured and you are set for eternity with the God of the universe who loves you. So don't go away from this passage scared at all. And if that doesn't describe you, hey, love to chat to you after. Because God wants to be in a relationship with you. And he loves you and he wants to. And now Matt and Steve, come up, guys. I'm almost done. Chapter 10 in a couple of weeks. But simply tonight, Paul's encouragement, both for Corinthians as well as for us, across chapters 8 and 9, is essentially, hey, Corinthians and Christians, forget your rights and lay them down at times. Don't, don't hold intensely to them. Lay them down when it's necessary. Work, don't be lazy. Follow hard after the amazing imperishable reward, the thing that actually matters that is found in Jesus Christ. And do this by controlling your body and fulfilling your responsibilities to yourselves, to one another, and most importantly, to God himself. Let me pray. Oh God, thank you so much for who you are and all you've done for us. Thank you for the privilege we have to open your word. And Lord, hey, when there's a passage that stands out to us that might make us uncomfortable um, or that might immensely encourage us, God, we praise you for that. And we just pray expectantly that you, through your Holy Spirit, um, reveal to us honestly where we're at, not just where we think we're at, not just where we might say we're at, but Lord, help us be real. Uh, and if we need to do some business with you, let, let us do that. Uh, but Lord, I just praise you so much for the reminder of the gospel, the eternal reward which any believer in you receives. And it's all made possible because of you, not because of us, not because of what we do to honour you. It's all made possible because of you. You sent Jesus Christ, your one and only son, down to earth as a man to die a horrific death he did not deserve in our place for our sins. And then you rose him again three days later so that for all, no matter who we are, what we've done, what gender we are, what culture we're from, our age, what, no matter of whatever, 
God, when we accept you as our Lord and Saviour, we are made right with you for all eternity. You no longer look at us as Paul the sinner. You see us through the lens of your beautiful, crucified Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May that news always be the most precious thing on earth to us, above all else. Amen. Thanks, guys.